Would you bow with me, please? Oh, dear, most precious Heavenly Father, we come to your house this morning. The mindset, Lord, of worshiping you. Would you help us do it? We have so much, Lord, in this world and things that maybe trip our ways of humble adoration of you as we ought to. Give us, Lord, the purity of your gospel and help us hide away those things, Lord, that seem to linger, that really are not worth much at all. You, Lord, are the most worthy, the most valuable, the most precious treasure we could ever acknowledge. And so we come to do that. We come, Lord, this day in this great country, the United States of America, and we've heard the song, Would You Bless America? God bless America. We wonder sometime if you really can. But dear Lord, through your mercy, would you look down through all the sin and the sorrow and the rebellion and chaos? Would you look and see the blood of Christ that's shed for so many here in this land? We thank you, Lord, for so many and the multitude, millions of Christians. And your word upon which this country was based and built upon. And dear Lord, there may be silence there at times, but oh, the prayers are going up every day. And I pray, O oh Lord, as we lift up our voice to you, that you would hear our cry, that you would deliver us and give us, Lord, grace. Help us, O oh Lord, to maintain the freedom that so many of our forefathers and mothers have died and sacrificed for. And so many are maintaining even as we pray and try to worship today. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom, most of all, that you've given us in Christ. How that you've made us free from the bondage of sin. Though, Lord, we still struggle at times and often fall. Even get out of the way and backslide. We, Lord, know that when we meet you again, it's not a reacquaintance. We've known you all the time. And you always put somebody or something in our life to bring us right back to you. And we thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. We thank you now, Lord, as we approach this time, that you would bless each one that's here and that hears, no matter where they are, both in this congregation and in their homes or places where they might settle for a few minutes to rejoice in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up our voice, Lord, and we look to Jesus. And we're thankful that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And that you know, Lord, that our times are in your hands. And help us, Lord, to know it too. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wondered if you'd turn with me this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday and um, was able to be with your family and friends as much as you could be, though so much of our land is not able to celebrate as we are acquainted with this time of the year. I do pray that we found those secret places that God has blessed us to, uh, to rejoice in our freedom and certainly that of Christ. I do want to talk to you today relative to this season of the year of freedom um, the 4th of July celebration and 
I've entitled what I want to try to say this morning, Let Freedom Ring, R-I-N-G. And uh, I want to use uh, that ring, R-I-N-G, and build a little acronym to make four quick points uh, relative to our freedom. It kind of helps me remember it. I, I pray that it will help you as well. I'm going to read some scripture. It's kind of a lengthy reading in a way for a sermon, I guess, context, but I think it helps us. There's so much said in these verses. It's an Old Testament uh, from this second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, King Josephad is, is dealing with people that are coming after his people, God's people, and it's people that God told them not to do anything with many years ago. Uh, to leave them alone when they were being uh, given the promised land. And now they're having to deal with them. Um, but, but here in this context, and, and I'll go ahead and read it, I want you to look for the Holy Spirit to show you and me uh, where freedom can ring in our lives. And that is that it can really be something that means something to us and that we can share it with others. Uh, Because we're to be witnesses of his amazing grace and the freedom that he's given us. So, beginning at verse 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, here's what the scripture says. And Josephat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He's in God's house, notice. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gaveth it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against the great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord, with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And upon Jezreel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And here's what God said. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Josephat, 
Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jerusalem. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah, nor he be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. That's, that's, some, strong, that's some strong Bible to me now. That is really strong to my heart. I, I almost think we could just leave and go home and be blessed, don't you? I mean, I'm afraid I'm going to dilute this some and I pray that I won't, but there's so much here. And notice, they're praising God. They're in a dilemma. You know, sometimes you kind of get in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. These guys were in a dilemma, and they had a mighty army, but they were depending on God. And you know what? That's exactly what we got to do. And, and, and so notice, they end up praising God. He's not done anything yet, but they're glorifying God. We need to be that way and rejoice and quit worrying so much and just ask God, go to God, let God be God and give it to God because the battle is truly God's. I don't know what we're trying to fight sometimes. You know what? We're not getting very far. Sometimes we walk a long, long way and don't get anywhere. But, but when we got, get to God, that's where we're going to find what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. And so I pray that God would give us that. Now, what does that have to do with liberty, you say, or freedom? I think it has a lot to do. Uh, every day, every day I do. And so I want to I look at this Let Freedom Ring title. And the first uh, point I want to make, and I want to spell again that, that word ring, R-I-N-G, the R. That R stands for God rules. Don't ever forget that. That God is in charge. He is the ruler. Not the government. Not the scientist. Not you. Not your neighbor. Not the mob. Uh, God is in rule. The cancer's not in charge. Our failures. Whatever it might be. And, and I want you to know that there's so much comfort in that. Now the devil doesn't like to hear it. I'm going to tell you. He does not. Uh, and it's almost like we don't say it enough. You know, we need to let it ring. You know, I went for my physical this year, early in the year, and uh, when I got there, I told the doctor, you know, I, I've been hearing this ringing in my ears. I don't know if y'all ever had that. You probably, I mean, you know, just kind of a little ring. I don't know what it was. I, I started noticing I'd be laying in the bed, and it was just ringing. I said, something going on there's and no, nobody else is hearing it but me, just a little ringing in my ears, you know. I mean, nothing, nothing devastating, but, but it could be annoying, you know, to you. And so I asked the doctor, and he said, well, what that is is tinnitus. I think that's what he called it, tinnitus. He said it's kind of common, 
as you get older, you know, and it's kind of an onset, he said, of losing your hearing. Now, my wife has been telling me that a long time, but I, I, I can still, I think, hear pretty good. But, but, but my, I was thinking about that when I was saying, you know, that God really, that needs to be ringing in our ears. You know, there's things that you get in life, there, you don't have to answer every call that, that comes in on your phone. You hear me? You, you don't have to be friends with everybody on Facebook. You don't. You don't have to open every one of your emails. But I'm going to tell you, you have to answer God's call. But there's so many things in God's ways that we don't understand. We just got to let it ring. And you know what I've come to understand? I kind of take that ring as a little hum reminding me that God rules. I mean, it's peace to me. I mean, not that I want everybody to have ring in the ears and not that I particularly enjoy it, but I'm going to tell you what, it's given me the idea that, you know what, God's ruling. And there's no really void, anything doing it, but, but we need to have that mindset that God rules, that he is in charge. We need, to, we need to have that so much ingrained that, that if we see that God says sit down, we need to be looking for a chair. You hear me? Or, or if God says jump, we need to say how high God. We need to be just like Samuel. You know, when that little boy Samuel heard the voice of God, uh, when he was told by Eli, he says, I'm going to tell you how you get a response. You go to him and you listen and you say, speak, Lord, thy servant Hear it. You know, we've got to be reminded sometimes really who's in charge of all this. I mean, if we don't, we'll get ourselves in a pure mess. We really will. But God, but God is in charge. You know, uh, I've said this. I've said it in one or two of my devotions. I've done, I practice this in the life that we're living. We don't know. This world, we don't know how much crazier it's going to get. But I'm going to tell you what, God's going to be in the charge. And there's sometimes you just need to go outside and take a deep breath. Take a deep breath on the fact that God rules. Now, this will take your breath when we really embrace this. That God does rule. And he rules kings and queens and governors and, and everything. In fact, uh, look at Colossians. I want to show you a few, few scriptures if you'd want to share them with me. Uh, we'll back up. By the way, from this text, before you leave there, look at verse 6. That's where I got this from. It's not coming up with it in my head. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? That's not only God's people. That's the heathen people. No, no, even only. Even devil. You know, the devil is God's devil. And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. All that verse is saying, pure and simple to me, is God rules. We need to let it ring. And Josephat wanted to ring that out. You know what? The first thing we got to embrace is that God is sovereign. There is no more comfort in serenity for a believer than understanding and appreciating the sovereignty of God. And does that mean we don't do anything? No, no. That, that's the, really the motivation for us to be doing all that God would call us to do. To know that though he's in charge and he's the ruler, uh, brings us great comfort. Where was it going? I was going to Colossians is one place. We can go to many others. You probably already know these verses. But in Colossians 1, then the 16th verse says, 
For by him, this is Christ, were all things created. That's all things that are in heaven and that are in earth, that are visible, that are invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. (laughs) How about that? You know, the devil was created for God. You think the devil was just somebody that just ran around doing all the devil's things? No, no, no. God has a purpose in that. And you know what? Caesar, back in the Old Testament, when Jesus was born, you know what? God ruled in that man's heart. Caesar of Augustus, the birth of our Lord, because where was Jesus prophesied to be born? In Bethlehem. So how was all that going to happen? You think that's just happen chance? They ended up in Bethlehem? No. God called Caesar of Augustus to send out a decree that all the country be taxed. And so Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem about the time Mary was to have her baby Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Want to let it ring? And what is it? In Isaiah 45, Cyrus, the great king. See, God used him to open up the, the kingdoms of his world for his people. And see, God doesn't always use good kings are good people to do his work. That doesn't mean he ordains evil, but he allows that. Why? Because as he rules, everything that happens, what's happening right now in America, what's happening right now in the world, what's happening right now in the church has one divine purpose. That divine purpose is to maintain and further the kingdom of the body of Christ in this world. Now you watch it. We might not understand it, but God is ruling in that and he will bring it about. You know, Abraham, I say in another Old Testament episode, you know, he went down in the land and he, he met King Abimelech, which is a much greater king. And Abraham, you know, that was one of the times he lied about his wife Sarah being his wife because he was afraid that, that the king would take her. Kings did that. So he lied about it. And so the king took her as his sister. Actually, she was Abraham's half-sister. But, but the Lord would not allow the king to touch her, though he could have. And when the king found out about it in a dream, the Lord told him, you know, it wasn't the integrity of his heart, but because of the ruling power of God. See, God rules the uh, all. He rules the good and the bad. He's in charge of all of it. He's not the author of evil by any means, but but he does allow it. And he has a purpose in it to, to bring him glory and to maintain his kingdom and further it even on earth. Look at, look at, um, Ephesians, you got, you got the New Testament open maybe. I'm talking about the rule of God. I'm talking about the comfort. I'm talking about letting it rain. I'm talking about not to being ashamed of God and his char- being in charge of everything we do and everything we say. It is sure for sure that if God brings it to you, he will bring you through it. You hear me? 
That's because God rules. That's because he's in charge. Now you and I might not understand it. We might not like it. We might kick and scream and fight against it. But you, get, you can be sure of one thing. He that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's not coming as that little baby in the Bethlehem. He's coming as a ruler. He's coming as the mighty King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's ruling right now, by the way. Jesus is. He's sitting on the right hand of our Father in heaven, making intercession for us. Don't you ever forget that. I want to comfort you with that. I want you to let it ring in your heart first and then resonate so that you can have a, a spiritual tinnitus. Maybe, maybe we can say that. That there's a hum going around your life all the time. See, you and I don't need to listen to the world and listen to all these newscasters with the same ear as non-believers. You hear me? We need to understand that God is the one that's ruling. We need to see this is how history is playing out. And God's history, that's what history is. His story, that's what God is. This whole world, this nation, this universe is God's and he's working it out. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things, notice that, all things, under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now back in the, in the uh, prophecy part of the, of the uh, New Testament, I wanted to show you a verse in Daniel, which is also a prophecy, not only of what's going to happen to Israel at the time, but of the end times itself. But verse 21 of Jan Daniel chapter 2, you don't have to look, look at it, but listen, or either one, this is what he says. And he changed the times and the seasons. It's what God does. He removeth kings. And setteth up the kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise. And knowledge to them that love or know understanding. That's why we as believers in the New Testament. That we're supposed to be submissive to our government in a way. Now I'm not talking about putting it before God. But that's what Romans 13 talks about. Because why? Because God puts those in authority. We might not, it might not be our political persuasion. But God has a reason for it. And so we need to trust God and bless them in there. Now I wanted to show you before I leave that point in Revelation. The book of Revelation is not a scary book like some people say. It is the most comforting book probably in all the Bible. It does contain a lot of graphic illustration of God's horrific mindset about sin. But I'm going to tell you what, it deals with the sovereignty of God. It's making us conquerors through Christ. And we will be overcomers because of God's almightiness in our life. What a blessing to joy. But in Revelation chapter 1, John the Apostle, the Revelator, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what this means. And he's dealing with a situation in the seven churches that's probably worse than what we're dealing with now in the world. And here's what he says in John, in Revelation, in verse Four, first chapter, and John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. 
And listen to this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What a blessing to know that the one rules, loves us. The one that rules, the one that is mightier than all, forgives. The one that is in charge of all things is in charge of your life and mine. And he has given us an inspecting end. And that is for good and not of evil. That's who God is. Man, what a blessing. We need to take that deep breath. I'm still in Revelation, but in the 17th chapter, I think it's the 14th verse. And it says this. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Why? For he is Lord of the lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's God's people. You are called and chosen, and you're faithful. Your faithfulness comes because God rules in your hearts. God is in charge, and what a blessing that he gives us to bless his holy name. And then in Revelation 19, listen to these comforting words in verse 16. And he hath on his vesture, this is a glorified Jesus, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> I just tell you, I could go on with that, but what a blessing, isn't it though? To know that God rules. That's the first point I want to make today, to let freedom reign, that God rules. Now you want to be free? You want to really express the liberty God has given you? He's the perfect law of liberty, that is God. And what a blessing that is. You know, liberty is not just doing what you want to do. You hear me? It's not. You've got to have rules. Only fools have no rules. You hear me? That's true. Uh, that's why, you know, why that is. The Bible says in Proverbs and other places, Psalms, the fool is set in his heart. There is no God. We need to be so thankful that God has given us the revelation of who he is. Because that comes from God. You won't just be able to figure God out academically. See, God has given you that. And what a blessing that is. Yesterday, I had the privilege to build a dog pen for one of my granddaughters. And I built that pen 60 by 40 feet. And uh, she has a special little dog. She loves that dog. And it's a good companion for her. And so we sped over there yesterday and we sweated some. And we had a good time. But I want to tell you the best time of all was when she turned the little pipe around into the pen. And you should have seen the liberty that little dog had. And the smiles on my granddaughter's face. Now here's the deal. See, if we'd have just said, well, let's just turn Piper out in the field. Let's let Piper run out on the highway. Let's let Piper go where he wants to. Now how, how good would that be? You see the comfort that you get from rules? You know why God gives us rules? Because he loves us. We have a parameter of life. God started that all off when he built this country by his precious word. That is a parameter. We've got to have boundaries. We've got to have rules. And we need to know they come from God. Many, many of our laws are based on God's holy word right now. And it's, it's, it's amazing. The more we get away from that, the worse things get. And so what a blessing it is. So rules. God rules. Secondly, we have an inheritance. Let's look back at our text. I'm talking about the I. That's the I of ring. R is God rules. We need to remember too that not only does God rule, that we have an inheritance. That God gives us something. We don't earn it. He gives us something. 
We need to appreciate it more than we do. And we need to bless God in it. Look at verse 7. Josephat reminded of that from our text. He says in verse 7, Art thou not God, our God, possession, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gaveth it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. Isn't that amazing? You see, the promised land, Joshua, after Moses came and God used him, he says, I'm going to lead you to a land. He said, I'm already giving it to you. It's already yours. You've got to possess it. He said, every place you put the sole of your foot, you've got to have it. It's yours. You know what? I believe in the world today. I don't know. I don't know what to do sometime with the mess we see going around. I feel pretty helpless. I bet you do too. But I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things that I believe we as Christians need to put our foot down. Well, you know what? That means faith. That means faith. I'm not talking to be uh, crusaders or uh, vigilantes necessarily, but I believe we need to embrace and we need to appreciate our inheritance. We need to appreciate what our forefathers, uh, how God used these men and women to build this country and how that is so degraded in the world today. And I'm going to tell you, far be it that from any of us. And I know I'm talking to the choir here and I know how you feel about it. And I, I, but, but we need to understand, we need to claim our inheritance. You know, we, we don't not to walk around worrying so much and so discouraged. We ought to be rejoicing. Uh, and not because this world is maybe seem to be falling apart. We've got to be reminded that our, our inheritance is eternal, okay? It's, God, it's from God. Uh, look at uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, man, I was reading 1 Peter chapter 1. You talking about a powerful verse, a scripture, I mean a chapter. I don't know. I don't know how God does it, but he sure puts it together. Listen to what he says about inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, and we'll start at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, listen, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What a blessing. Do you know you have an, you have a, an incorruptible inheritance in heaven that you can't you, that be taken away? Isn't that a reason to let freedom ring in our lives? It ought to be. I mean, it ought to be such a blessing to see that in our lives and to understand that and bless God in it. I've told some of you this story before, but it just hits in my heart. I think it really relates to what I think we need to do. Uh, this is a true story, and it was a story uh, that happened many, many years ago, early 1900s maybe. But there was a couple from out in the Midwest, and they were stopped at a little restaurant in Tennessee, and they were, they were having dinner, and while they were there, uh, this man was kind of walking around, this elderly man, stately kind of acting guy, very personable guy, walking around the tables. You've probably seen them. You know, they're just talking to people, asking how you are, and things like that. So this, they see him coming and didn't really want him there, you know, but he stopped, and he asked them who they were or where they were from, and he was told, and this, turns out this man and his wife, this guy was a, I think the story said a seminary professor, which spurred a point, this, 
man that was walking around with everybody talking to him said, he says, you know, I want to tell you a story about a preacher. And he said this, he said, there was a boy, there was a boy that was born right over here on these mountains, talking about in Tennessee, that was born to an unwed mother. And at that time, that was something that society didn't accept. So the little boy, as he grew up, had this, had this uh, inferiority complex, so to speak, because everywhere he went, people made fun of him. They would say, who's your daddy? And he didn't know what to say. So, so he, in response to it, he just quit going anything. He would, you know, he, he would not at recess. He would not be participating in things. Uh, uh, even at church, his mama took him to church, but, but he'd always leave the church early. And he would get, he didn't want anybody to ask him, who's, who's daddy? Where's your daddy? Who's, who's your daddy? Because he didn't know what to say. And so, so time just goes on, and the story says he's about 12 years old, and this new preacher come to the church they were attending. And for some reason, the little boy would always sit on the back seat, kind of, so he could get out quick. But the preacher had a really short sermon, and he said the benediction so quick, the little boy was kind of caught. So, so the little boy was going out to church, and the preacher caught him, uh, just to greet him, you know. And he, he did say, he says, Son, who's your daddy? And they were silenced about the story. He said, everywhere in that church. Nobody knew what to say. And the little boy just looked up terrified. And, and the Holy Spirit almost come upon this preacher, the story this guy said. And he said, with spiritual discernment almost, he said, oh, I know whose son you are. You are a child of God. And he put his arms around the little boy. And he said, son, you go out and claim your inheritance. And said, that, when he, the man was telling the story, looked at that couple and said, now, isn't that a good story? They said, yes, it is. And they were just mystified by his story and the profound heart about it that he was using. And he says, you know, that preacher changed my life. He said, I would have never amounted to anything if he hadn't have told me whose son I was. <laughs> And so he walked off. And the waitress come up about that time. And the couple said, by the way, who was that man that was talking to us? And they said, why, that's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. You know, I, I, I Googled Ben Hooper, and I found that true story. And I found that he actually served two terms in the state of Tennessee as governor. And what a, what a story, because you know what? That's what we need to do. We are children of God. We're children by adoption. Hey, you know what? Penny and I have been blessed with three beautiful girls that, that we didn't have biology, bi bi biologically, but, but we're adopted. They're our girls. I mean, I want them to look at me, and I know they've got daddies somewhere, but I love them. And I want to do everything I can for make them know that. And I want you, you know, that's what you and I need to be. The world is not our daddy, okay? God is. We have an inheritance with God, and we need to rejoice in that. So now let's go back to the text and uh, look at another point. Where are we at? We in ring, rules, God rules. I, we do have an inheritance. And you know what? We need to embrace that. We need to enjoy all things because of this inheritance. You know, I mentioned lately, I wrote a little article the other day about sunsets. 
You know what? We ride around and see sunsets, and sometimes I pull in one of my neighbor's fields to see a sunset. Now that field might not be mine, but that sunset is. And that sunset's yours. You hear me? God gives you a sunset every day just for you. And you can claim it. I want you to understand, we need to claim everything that, that this world, we need to enjoy this world because it's God's creation. It's in our inheritance. And we have an eternal inheritance as well. And so the end, the end I want you to see is this, a name above every name, a name above every name. Second Chronicles 20, look at verse 8, uh, our text, from our text. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, now notice what he says, name. Why, why did he say that? Because the name of something means something. I mean, you know, you, you hear all this baggage, now we're going to change the name. You know, I, somebody gets offended about changing the name. I'm going to tell you a name that's never going to change. Jesus. Jesus is never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what? God named Jesus. God didn't leave the naming of his only begotten son up to people. You remember that Joseph uh, was sent an angel from God. And he says in Matthew 1.21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now that name Jesus means Jehovah saves. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, you know these folks, you know people tear down statues and all that, think you're going to find peace. You're going to find peace in that. You're going to have peace in right. You're going to have peace in worrying. You know the only peace you're going to find is Jesus. Oh, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and takes away his fear. Isn't it amazing that God gives us the name Jesus? It's just a simple name. I mean, what if he'd have named him uh, Mephibosheth or uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Googly Amai or something, you know? But he named him Jesus. <laughs> That's my point. Just a simple name. I mean, probably the last words on our lips before we die of many of God's people that have is Jesus. Jesus. That simple name. And that name means something. I've just read you there, I know, from Colossians. It's the name above every name. There's no other name other than Jesus. Um, and I, I, I guess we've got to be, as Christians, we've got to be sort of narrow-minded when it comes to Jesus. I mean, there's no other way to God. It doesn't matter. You can be broad-minded and you can try to please people you want, but it's only Jesus. There's no other way. He says that no man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. You won't find anything worthwhile without Jesus. So, so he is Jesus, and that name means something. You know, uh, my girls, over the years, we've been involved in some FFA and 4-H projects and showing cattle and things. And so we tried to pick up a, an animal from some folks that knew a lot more about it than we did, and we really couldn't afford it. But here's how we stayed in it for a few years. A friend of mine up in North Georgia had this, has this ranch, and he has a name, reputation. So we would get this calf... And we would, you know, take it as a project, and the girls would take care of it. And then um, in the next spring, after the season was over, we'd take it to his sale barn, and he would allow us to sell this animal under 
his ranch name. <laughs> now, that made a big difference. I, I, saw that, I saw that big time. I mean, I could take the same cow, and I could go up to Brother Wayne or somebody, you know, I'd say, Brother, I got this, got this heifer, how much you give it to him? It'd be, it wouldn't be a bad price for the market, but my name is nothing as far as cattle goes. But, but when this guy's name was on it, people from Mississippi and Wisconsin and Nebraska, <laughs> they started bidding on these animals. Why? Because of the name. And so Jesus, and I know that's a small, minute point, but it, it makes a difference. He's the name of, you know, God says in Philippians 2.9 that he didn't make him a little lower than the angels, but not his name. Not his name. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2.9. He says this, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. Do you know, my little, my little granddaughter, Emery Grace, I don't know, maybe she's two, but this past Christmas we had an ornament on our tree, a little church ornament. And Emery Grace, she was much younger then, I guess, by several months. I would point, I said, Emery, see that church? And she said, Jesus. Just the other day, there was a house, and I got a cross outside, like many of you have. And I was by the, saw the cross. I said, Emery, you see that cross? And she said, Jesus. You see, you see people pick up on that real, you're just a little child. This is Jesus. We need to let that ring. We need to make sure our children are brought up in that name. And, and, and what a blessing. I bet Anderson and Grady can already say Jesus. I bet they can. I bet they can. And so what a, what a blessing to see that. So, so we see that and we need to understand that, that this name is an easy name. It's a name, though, that, that will last forever. It, it, it is not going to change. And we need to know that, that I'll tell you the thing about it. It's so powerful, though, this name of Jesus. How many people do you know that, that tell you, you know, Jesus changed my life. Jesus has changed your life. Jesus changes lives every day because he is the most powerful name that's ever been. And we need to rejoice in it. And we need to let it ring, this name of Jesus. Think about how many songs in this hymn book we can ever sing again. We need to think, Jesus saves. Oh, uh, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds. I mean, there's multitude. I bet we could just look at titles of Jesus. And what a blessing. And then lastly, and I'll let you go, but uh, so I wanted to make sure we understood we're to let freedom reign. And how do we do that? Well, we have real life situations. That's what this book is about. This book is not about fallacies. This book is about how to live in the freedom of God that God has given us. It's a book, though, that makes sure we know there's, you know, freedom is not really free. you got to fight for it. you got to really fight for it. You're going to be going upstream, and maybe now more than ever that we see that. But, but we see this, you're going to have some enemies. You're going to have some situations in your life. But, but as we look at this, that will challenge our freedom. And I've said this before, and somebody said it, and I don't know who it was, but I picked up on it many years ago. I think it was over at uh, Andersonville at that POW museum. Man, that thing will make you appreciate freedom. And it, it, it said this, this guy he, who had been a POW, 
uh, for many years, and he found, got, finally got his freedom. And he said this. He says, you'll never know what freedom is until you've had it and you've lost it and you get it again. I think that's very true. We want to know how to appreciate it. Well, I think we're getting a little glimpse of that now. But the last thing, the G that I want to see, and just briefly in closing this up, uh, the ring, the R rules, I inheritance, in the name above every name, and the G is we do all for God's glory. Why do we have this freedom for God's glory? Uh, Corinthians tells us that we're to do everything, whatever we do, for the glory of God. It tells us, too, that our freedom is for um, others. Did you know that? That we're to, in 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible tells us that we're to seek uh, the, the other man's betterment and not ours. And now we need to continue to remember that. And, and two, we need to see that freedom is for us. And I don't mean to be selfish by that, but, but what I mean is, I was talking about the sunset a while ago. I want you to understand that God's creation glorifies Him. And so when you see all of creation every day, whatever you do, you see glorifying God in freedom is not just having some heroic act or being in some crisis and God delivering you. It's the mundane valley kind of life, okay? When you can get to the point, here's where you're free, where you can get to the point that you can enjoy God and that you can embrace what God has done for you and really appreciate it when nobody seems to notice you. Can you do that? I mean, that is a blessing. You're free. You know, if you've got to go around in life and you've got to say, well, I've got to make sure they know I'm a Christian or I've got to make sure they know I can do this. No, no. Freedom is just giving it to God and blessing Him to that. And notice in, in our text, and I'll close, in verse 19, I went to the last one I read, I believe, and I mentioned earlier briefly how they were worshiping God in advance. It says there, in the Levites... And the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice. They were letting it ring. <laughs> they were letting it ring. Ringing out to God, praising God, and yet they still had their enemy before them. They had not had the conquering yet. But it was coming. And you know what is coming to us? And we're to... We're to bless God in that and thank Him for His many, many blessings. Well, I just appreciate you being here today, you that have been able to. And I wanted to say to all of us, uh, we really do. I think if we let freedom reign, it'll be the greatest way to glorify God. Because our freedom comes from God. You know, and, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing from God that we have freedom in Christ. And so let's let it rain. And let's let it rain wherever we are. May the Lord bless you and keep you real close to Him and to the freedom that is only in Christ. Would you bow with me, please? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have, not only in this great country. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our military, our law enforcement. We pray for homes and families and marriages and single people and we pray for those in medical um, warfare and whatever people are doing all over the place. We're thankful, Lord, for the many, many Christians. We thank you, Lord, for the fiber of this nation. 
which oftentimes is not acknowledged as much as it ought to be. We thank you, Lord, for these that are here and these that are listening, wherever they are in their churches and their homes, that we could let freedom reign, that we could tell, Lord, many, many others just what great things you have done for us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you so much that you rule. We thank you, God, that we don't have to be ruled and that we have to be ruled not even by ourselves. And we thank you, God, that we can't do anything we want to do. We thank you, God, that we can choose not to do some things the world is doing, for that only comes by your almighty grace. We thank you, Lord, for the incorruptible inheritance that we'll all be with you in heaven. And it's going to be so wonderful and glorious. And between now and then, O oh Lord, you've given us that to acknowledge every sunset and sunrise. Every bird on a tree limb or the blade of grass responding from the sweet dew of heaven from a night on earth. We thank you for the stars and the moon and all the glory that is attested to you by your very nature and how you do things. We thank you, Lord, for the name of Jesus. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would always go out and acknowledge your reputation in that name and that we would be faithful Christians. Forgive us, Lord, when we failed you, and we have so many times, but we want another chance. We want to stand, Lord, as these great ancient people did and praise your holy name and let it reign. We thank you, Lord, for the glory that you allow us share. We're not worthy of any of it. We all deserve to spend eternity in hell. But, oh God, you've looked down for some reason in your great mercy and you've imputed your righteousness in us. And not only, Lord, have you forgiven us our sins, you have put on us robes of righteousness. Let us go out, Lord, and claim your name. Claim our inheritance through Christ our Lord that we might bring you much glory no matter what happens. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.